Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Have you ever heard friends or family say they are spiritual but not religious? In our first segment, we're joined by Legionary of Christ, Father John Bartunek, author of the new book, Spiritual But Not Religious, The Search for Meaning in a Material World. Later in the show, Christopher Gunty interviews Erin King Yunkins about her book, Designed to be Well, a Health Coach's Guide to Navigating the Science and Spirituality of Wellness. But first, here's my interview with Father Bartunek. Father Bartunek, thanks for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Oh, thanks for having me. Your book is called Spiritual But Not Religious, which is a phrase a lot of people use to describe themselves these days, especially as they drift away from organized religion. It might be helpful to start off by defining the terms a bit. What is spiritual and what is religious? You know, I've never met someone who doesn't want to be spiritual. Spiritual, to be spiritual, to have a spirituality is something that I think is attractive to everyone. And when we say that, I think in general, kind of the core meaning of that is that I've had an, if I'm spiritual or want to be spiritual or I've had a spiritual experience, what that means is I've actually had an experience of what the philosophers might call something transcendent, something that goes beyond um, you know, mere electrons and protons, something that's more than just this material world. I've had an experience of transcendence. Uh, and, and that has changed me, right? That has nourished me. That has um, kind of given a little bit of a deeper meaning to my life. Now, when people say, you know, when people talk about religion, uh, they, they actually often will be thinking rather of a list of rules, a list of dogmas, a list of beliefs, uh, and so I think one of the reasons that people say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, is because they meet people who appear to be religious, but don't appear to be spiritual. In other words, they go to church every Sunday, they follow the rules, kind of like the Pharisees maybe, um, and, but they don't actually show any signs of having had this transcendent experience of God, of of, of goodness is something that's beyond this mere, merely material world, which makes life really rich. So I think that's kind of the core uh, difference between the, the, the meaning of those two terms, spiritual and religious. I, I like that your book is you, you kind of flip the question as well. You, you, you point out that there are people who are religious but not spiritual, and those are the ones you just described as being caught up in the trappings of religion. They, they say all the right prayers, mm-hmm. and sometimes they might make a public show of their religiosity but yet they never had that personal encounter with the divine. Um, mm-hmm. In your book, you say that when the trappings are there, but a living relationship with God is not there, it can lead to superstition. How do people fall into that mode of being religious but not spiritual? Well, I think you know, everyone has their own path, right? I think um, in general, uh, there's usually some fears involved, uh, but it depends on your background, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when, when, you, when you kind of believe in a, in a transcendent realm, in a divine realm, uh, but you, you for, some, for whatever reason, maybe by your training or your own experience or maybe even your own temperament, 
um, some fears that you might have, you haven't really developed that relationship with God, then you just have this really powerful realm of this transcendent spiritual realm, which you don't want to do any damage to you, so you kind of want to placate it, or you may want to use it, and that's where you kind of get superstition. As a matter of fact, in the early history of human culture, magic and religious practice uh, were very related, um, because you, you recognize that there were these powers that were beyond my direct control, but if I could access them somehow um, and put them at the service of what I want, well, that would be great, right? So, so there is, there's kind of a connection there, I think. Why is it important to marry that longing for the spiritual with the religious, specifically through the example of Christianity? Yeah, I think that the, because that's what we're made for. We're actually made to find meaning that truly satisfies our souls, our spirits, our minds. We're made to find that in a relationship with God, who's the source of, you know, who's the ultimate transcendent, but also who, who enters into our world, right, through the incarnation. So we're, the meaning that we all search for, and the reason that when I have a spiritual experience, it touches me so deeply and then I want more of that, is because that's what we're made for. We're actually made to live in communion with God. That's the only place we're going to find the happiness that we yearn for. Uh, so it's really important, I think, to, uh, to understand that a true spiritual experience is, a, is an experience on a pathway leading you towards authentic religion. Because in the end, if I have a spiritual experience of the transcendent, I say, wow, this is great. I, I, I want more of this. And I want to live in greater harmony with it on a more regular basis. Well, then that's, that's a pathway which is going to lead. You're going to have to say, well, where does this come from? What's the source of it? And what, what do I, how do I need to behave in order to live in harmony with it? Well, those are all religious questions, right? So sp- authentic spirituality leads to authentic religion and the, and the other way around, too. I think one of the examples you gave in your book is uh, someone maybe contemplating something transcendent under an oak tree or something like that, which, which might be great, but ultimately you can't talk with an oak tree. You can't have a relationship with an oak tree. So, and that's the, the importance of where religion comes in. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the source of all the beauty that we encounter, and, you know, I think nature as kind of the first book of God's revelation, he made the world for us to live in. So the world is like his work of art, and, it, and it, it can tell us about him. And people who might not know God or might not believe in Jesus sometimes can experience uh, the goodness and the power and the majesty of God in nature, a beautiful sunset or hiking in the mountains or at the ocean, uh, but in the end, those experiences, if we just stop there, if we don't follow where they, where they naturally lead, you know, they, they kind of become truncated uh, and we become frustrated. So, and that's one of the themes of this book. I, you know, I really want to be able to enter into dialogue with people who say I'm spiritual but not religious because it's becoming so much more common. Right? This is kind of where people are at these days. So instead of just kind of writing them off, uh, I wanted to kind of, create a, a space where we could really have dialogue. Someone says that, you know, I say, well, really, tell me about your spiritual experience. And then we can actually meet there and maybe, you know, help that person take a step closer towards Christ, who's ultimately uh, the source of all, of all spiritual experiences, right? He's the, he's the creator of all things. So, uh, so I think it's important to realize that that relationship. And, and yeah, we, you know, the oak tree, that was a one of the works of art that I, I discuss in the book. There's a few works of art that are actually reproduced in the book, and then I discuss them, uh, their spiritual meaning. And, and that's, uh, that's a painting, and it's a very beautiful painting, and, it, and it's kind of depicting a scene from a very beautiful poem. But in the end, 
you know, if we don't follow spirituality to where it, ought, where it truly leads, which is religion, honestly and humbly, then we're always going to be frustrated. What advice would you have for people who long for that personal connection with the divine and some sense of spirituality that goes beyond just the non-sacred, uh, and, but who don't know how to attain it? And what advice would you have for how people should respond when someone says to them, I'm spiritual but not religious? Yeah, so those are both sides of the coin. My my most obvious piece of advice was, hey, why don't you read this book, Spiritual Without <laughs> Religious? Because, that's, you know, it's about about bridging that, helping those who, who want to know how to respond to someone who says that, giving them a vocabulary to do it. And I think the, uh, that's what the book does. In fact, you know, the book came out of so many conversations that I've had with people. As a priest, you are, I'm always having these kind of conversations. And then, you know, for someone who actually is has had a spiritual experience but has been turned off by religion, I would encourage them to read the book as well. There's a couple chapters in there which talk about the different religions, the history of religion, aren't all religions the same, kind of bring up that question. And those are questions that someone who's distanced themselves from religion uh, has, you know, has posed to themselves. And I think the perspective I give in this book is a little is fresh but very authentic, very satisfying. Uh, so I think it can create a space for real, real dialogue and real conversation. That's great. And, and how can people get the book? Uh, that book and all my other books, you can you can find information at rcspirituality.org, where we also have some online retreats and all kinds of other relation, uh, uh, resources. Uh, but I think the book is available wherever you buy books, Amazon. But rcspirituality.org is where you can find it. Our guest this segment has been Father John Bartunek, and the book is Spiritual But Not Religious, The Search for Meaning in a Material World. Father Bartunek, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. God bless you. When we return, Christopher Gunty speaks with Erin King Munkins about her new book, Designed to Be Well, A Health Coach's Guide to Navigating the Science and Spirituality of Wellness. I'm George Matisek, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Bishop Mark E. Brennan was welcomed August 22nd at St. Joseph Cathedral in Wheeling, West Virginia, as the ninth bishop of the Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston. Prior to his appointment to West Virginia, Bishop Brennan served as Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Bringing light to the darkness and service to the people were key themes of his installation Mass. Quoting from the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, Bishop Brennan began his homily saying, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who lived in a land of gloom, a light has shone. That's an apt description of how Catholics in the U.S., and especially West Virginia, have been dealing with anger, frustration, and distrust of church leaders, he said, alluding to the former Bishop Michael J. Bransfield, without mentioning him by name. Bishop Bransfield resigned in September 2018 amid allegations of sexual harassment and financial mismanagement. Bishop Brennan said the scandals caused painful disappointment, confusion, anger, and distrust of church leaders. We have to face that situation with open eyes and determined spirits to bring out true and lasting change, Bishop Brennan said. His voice rising to a crescendo as he concluded his homily, he urged the packed cathedral and overflow crowd watching at the nearby West Banco Arena to, quote, let God fulfill his purpose in us and not let the darkness cover the earth. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Describing the Amazon rainforest as vital for our planet, Pope Francis joined the region's bishops in praying for action to extinguish the massive fires burning in Brazil. We are all worried about the vast fires that have developed in the Amazon, the Pope said August 25th. 
Let us pray that with the commitment of all, they will be brought under control quickly. That forest lung is vital for our planet. Leaders of the Latin American Bishops' Council also urged international action to save the Amazon rainforest from the fires. What happens to the Amazon is just not a local issue, but it is of global reach, the bishop said. If the Amazon suffers, the world suffers. Scientific data shows the Amazon produces 20% of the world's oxygen. For more on this and other stories, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today, in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. This is Chris Gunty from the Catholic Review. Today we're talking with Erin King Youngkins, who is a health coach. And she has recently written a book called Designed to be Well, A Health Coach's Guide to Navigating the Science and Spirituality of Wellness. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thanks so much for having me. First of all, I think a lot of our listeners won't be familiar with what is a health coach and what do you do? Yes, good question. So I am a certified health coach, uh, not to be mistaken with um, some health coaching that's out there, which is aimed at really sort of like selling products and supplements and things like that. So my uh, certification is through ACE, which also does um, personal training, and they're a national organization that certifies people in various areas of health and wellness. Um, But I'm also an occupational therapist. I've been treating for about 17 years, and after um, several years of treating, I felt a little bit limited in my ability to treat patients and clients in a more preventive way, so that's why I became a health coach. And um, what we are certified to do is to take a look at uh, the big picture, the physical and mental health um, uh, from a uh, clinical perspective, 
Um, but also from a sort of holistic perspective. And so our goal is to identify the root cause of various issues you may be having and try to look for solutions and then help you to integrate them into your daily life through the process of coaching. Mm -hmm. Some people may have heard of life coaches who kind of help you figure out what you want to do with your career and things like that. Some people Mm -hmm. go to nutritionists. What you're doing is kind of a holistic way of looking at body, mind, spirit all together and saying, here's what you need to do to be well, right? Yes. That's my hope. So for me personally, um, I I would say that after the thousands of patients that I've um, had the opportunity and the honor to work with, more than half have highly preventable conditions. And so for me, it's not, it can't just be about figuring out the one um, issue, whether it's um, weakness or a particular sickness or whatever the condition is that a patient presents with, you have to sort of get to the root cause of what's happening. And more often than not, I find that it has a physical, mental, and spiritual impact on people. So I really wanted to be able to start to sort of reframe the conversation, first and foremost, around uh, God and how he has designed us, and then also making sure that we're not neglecting any one part of a, of a person. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting that in your book you talked about the fact that while you are a person of faith, you're not, you don't have to have be a person of faith to practice some of the things that you're talking about in Design to Be Well, but that it helps a lot to do that. You're a parishioner of St. Peter's at Liberty Town, so your Catholic faith mm-hmm. kind of flows into all of this. But when you start talking to people, do you start, you, you talk in the book about things being unbalanced between your mind, body, and spirit. Do you start mm-hmm. with the unbalanced, or do you start with where they're doing well? Um, you know, sometimes we do start with the unbalanced. That way we, we really know what's sort of nagging at a person, uh, what's really getting someone down, and then we'll sort of zoom out to figure out what things they are doing well. And I think what that helps me to do is to really find patterns that maybe otherwise go um, overlooked. So, Sometimes people think that different things in their life that they're experiencing um, can't possibly be related. For example, maybe their anxiety and also uh, their difficulty losing weight, or maybe they don't see any correlation between their joint pain and the fact that they have a hard time staying asleep. And so they won't mention all of those things um, when they go to see a doctor or a specialist. So for me, I try to look at all of the things that are making it difficult for a person to go about their day, and then reiterating to them, which is based on my beliefs, but something that I hope they can um, start to to, um, believe themselves, is that they were designed to be much healthier. The human body is fascinating, and the way that it works with our minds um, in an effort to lift our spirits is a really beautiful thing. And so if you can see the whole person and see that you really were designed to heal and to be well, and you you start to um, have that paradigm shift from just putting Band-Aids on symptoms to getting down to the root cause of things. And you usually find that if you do the right thing to alleviate some of the pain or symptoms that you're having, a lot of times mental burden and imbalance is also relieved. And I think that allows someone to kind of get to another level spiritually. If you're not as weighed down by your physical and mental symptoms, then you can kind of pursue, um, you know, things that God wants you to pursue. And by, first of all, by getting 
more in touch with your spiritual side and and whether that's meditation or prayer or those kinds of things that can also boost your your physical and, and mental health correct yes and there have been many many studies by plenty of secular organizations about the benefits of prayer and meditation so it's really not just something that you know the catholic church or any other christian faith holds as their own personal opinion um, meditation and prayer have been proven time and time again to have positive impacts on people's mental and physical health when you see people, what do you hope to accomplish with them? I mean, is this a, a one-time shot? Is it an a ongoing thing for years and years and years? Or can you help people kind of get themselves together over a course of a few months and then they just check back in with you now and then? What is that process for getting them to be balanced? That's a great question. So one of the um, reasons that I actually sought out becoming a certified health coach and um, uh, finding a different delivery model other than the rehabilitative one that I've been in for so long is that I was finding that a lot of my patients were receiving these services, medical services, and then once they were discharged, it was very difficult for them to hang on to all the things they had learned and all the good practices. And so um, very often, because um, more than half of the country uh, has a chronic condition, they would relapse, and these things would happen over and over again. And so what I found uh, was that delivering lower-intensity services through coaching practices over a much longer period of time helps people to maintain and pursue even better goals um, throughout the course of about a year. So rather than see someone five times a week for an hour and try to continue that and then cut them off, if I continue to see someone even just for an hour per week um, and then tapering it off throughout the year, those changes that they made really became much more permanent. And so uh, my other goal is, you know, there's about 30 things that we should all be doing every single day in terms of our diet, exercise, and stress management, et cetera, to be healthy. But it's also pretty unrealistic to expect someone to suddenly make 30 changes in their life um, permanently. So my goal is through looking at someone's um, genes or their symptoms uh, or a variety of other assessments, sort of pinpointing maybe the top three, two or three most impactful changes they can make. And if I can push them through those two or three things, then maybe we're ready to try the next two or three things. Um, but that order of things, the priority is the same for everybody. We're all alike in a lot of ways, but we're also very different. And so uh, I try to help my clients find the most important things that they need to do because that usually facilitates more healthy changes down the road. So it's a lower-intensity delivery model, but it's for a longer period of time. Is it about trying to help people make new habits, kind of break old habits and make new, healthier habits? Yeah, and I hope they, they start to see themselves as valuable, and I hope they start to see themselves in a way that um, where wellness is not the goal. I don't believe that wellness should be the number one goal uh, throughout seeking holistic health. I think we all need to maybe consider wellness as the condition necessary for us to pursue our goals. I think we're all entitled to pursue truth and to pursue God's purpose for us. And so well, you, you need to be well in order to do those things. So that's what I really try to emphasize to my clients and what I've tried to write about in the book is that wellness needs to be integrated into your life, but it, it shouldn't be what your life is centered on. Because when you're well, you're able to have better relationships and you're able to work better able to, you know, pursue opportunities to serve other people in ways that you can't do when you're not well. So um, hopefully people see the wellness that I encourage them to achieve as the, really the means to, to a better life in general. 
Yeah, that was an interesting aspect that I found in the book. That it was like, okay, I'm not going to the gym to work out, work out, work out, just so I can be healthy and have better muscles. It's so that I can live better <laughs> and and do right, the things exactly. I want to do, which is really kind of a neat, way, you know, because I think a lot of people get uh, so invested in, well, I need to lose 15 pounds and that's what I'm going to do, and then everything will be good. And what you're saying in Designed to Be Well is that'll help you be in a place where you can do good things and do the things you want to do. Tell us a little bit about where Designed to Be Well, the book, is available. Right now it's available on Amazon. It's off Barnes & Noble website. Um, and I believe that the Hensway Bookstore in Glen Burnie and Frederick should also have them soon in person. So um, that's where you can get them right now. Very good. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We've been talking with Erin King-Yunkins, who is the author of Design to Be Well, A Health Coach's Guide to Navigating the Science and Spirituality of Wellness. Thank you so much for being with us today, Erin. Thanks so much for having me. This is Christopher Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.